You are listening to the Filming Life Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Holmes, founder and lead educator at the Filming Life Academy, the largest online community of family filmmakers in the world, where I teach photographers how to switch over to video and create meaningful story-driven films with confidence. If you're not already a member, but you want to be, you can sign up to the Academy over at filminglifeacademy.com. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, it's Courtney here for another episode of the Filming Life Podcast. And today is going to be a little bit different because I have been working quite extensively on updating all of the content inside the Academy over the last year. And I had this one particular lesson that I wrote out and I wanted to share it as a podcast episode. So I'm actually going to read it for you. And then Kylie and I are going to talk about it because we um, we want to kind of have that conversational approach. We're going to have a conversation about it after, but first I'm going to just start out and read this lesson to you guys. So hands down, the biggest mistake I see both photographers and new family filmmakers doing is creating work purely to please their clients or to create work that looks the same as their competitors because that's what sells. And look, I get it. It's safe. And it works sometimes, depending on how good you are at copying the look that sells. But here are some of the reasons why I'd really encourage you to create the work you love first for your portfolio. Creating work to your artistic vision. You are the only one who sees the world the way that you do. You are unique and you are creative. Every single person has the ability to be creative. It's inside of you. All you have to do is be curious and you'll start to find your creativity. Your artistic vision is what forms the foundation of your artistic voice. This is when people see your work and immediately they know that it's yours. They recognize that it's yours. And this is what sets you apart from other photographers or filmmakers in your area. And this is what ultimately allows you to charge whatever price you want because no one else does what you do. The only way to find your artistic voice is to practice honing your artistic vision. And in order to hone your artistic vision, you have to give yourself the freedom to create without the constraints of feeling like you need to give people what they want. This is where portfolio building comes in, which we have an entire course dedicated to because it's a pretty long process and Kylie has written it and it's brilliant. You should, you should check that out. As much as I understand that you need to make money for the work you do, totally, I get it. I absolutely 100% get it. But it's important that you either only work with paying clients who you know are going to be happy with whatever you do, or you do not charge for your portfolio building sessions and you use them as a way to form your own unique artistic vision of the work you want to create and then sell. So this means putting the work into first honing your artistic vision in the form of your work and then going and selling that. Okay. So the alternative to this would be creating work purely just to make clients happy. If you've done the work first to create a portfolio of films or photos that fills your artistic vision and voice, then the flow and effect is that your clients are going to be happy with what you create for them because they know what to expect. They can see your artistic vision in the portfolio you've shown them and you get to create work that you love to create. And it's a win-win all around. It's fulfilling for you and they're happy with the end result because they know what to expect. But if you haven't done that work first and instead you start putting out marketing that you're making films now and that people can book them before you spent the time really developing your skills, 
And it's easy for this to spiral into a case of the client dictating what they want you to do for them, whether it's what you want to do or not, since they're paying for a service that you're fairly new at. There's no portfolio to show what your vision is. There's less experience on your end when a client says, can we do this? And you say, yes, because you want to please them. But the reality is you don't actually know yet that it'll end up being a disaster or it could. Here's an example. Let's say you live in Florida and you've got a successful family photography business shooting incredibly beautiful lifestyle sessions at the beach. You've done one film for your own family and a film for a friend of yours in their home where you were super happy with the result, got some great audio of the kids and everyone you shared it with loved it. So you start advertising that you're doing video now and you're offering film sessions. One of your photography clients sees the ad you made and they want to book a film, but they want to do it at the beach. And you're like, yes, that sounds amazing. Let's do it. In the questionnaire you send out, you ask the client what they want to remember the most about their kids, and they talk about how much they want to remember the laughter and how they want to capture their daughter's voice and the way she sings and the things that she says. And you think, sweet, this is going to be amazing. I get my families to connect with each other at the beach all the time during my photography session, so I'll just get the girl to sing to her mom. Maybe I'll get them to talk to each other while I film. I did a little bit of that when I was filming at home. What's the problem here? What are you going to, what are you missing? What's going to trip you up? This client is paying full price. So you're going to need to deliver on this, but there's something really, really important that you're missing that a simple conversation could fix for your client. And it's audio. Audio at the beach is practically impossible. If you want to make films from your lifestyle shoots at the beach, you're going to have to think outside the box a bit with regards to audio. But until you actually practice doing a film there, you're not going to know this. If a client came to me with this idea, I would respond with, I love the idea. I love that you want to include so much of your daughter's voice in the film. However, the background noise of the waves and the wind at the beach will make it really hard to get good audio of her voice. What if you record that part at home and then I use that in the film as a voiceover? Or what about if I come and record it for you at home separately? Alternatively, we could do part of your session at home and then part of the beach. That way we can make sure that we get that audio that you're looking for. Here are some examples of what both those options look like. You let me know which one you like best and we can go from there. Without having examples to show and without spending the time to really practice and create films that are exactly what you want to create, it can lead to a lot of self-doubt, questioning whether this is something you can do. And with the amount of work that films are, you really don't want to spend all the extra hours working on something that doesn't light you up. That's a quick recipe for burnout. So I really, really encourage you spend time building your portfolio, get the experience. If you're looking for a number, I would say minimum of five completed high quality films for families should be on your website before you start booking paying clients for films. 10 is an even better number. You might have to make 10 before you get five really good ones anyway. Work towards that and you'll find that marketing and booking clients at the price you want them to pay will be a whole lot easier. That's the end of the lesson. So look, this all really came out of this idea where I was sitting down and I was thinking about how many times I've been in this situation where I was creating films that I felt like clients wanted. I would come across times where I just felt completely out of my depth and look, you know, you can throw yourself in the deep end and you can claw your way out of it. And most of the time you may end up being fine. But the point here is that if you put the work in at the beginning and you really spend that time honing your specific vision for what it is, the kinds of films that you want to create, 
then you're going to be better off in the long run. You're going to have that more experience. You're going to be able to tailor things when clients do ask for specific things. You'll be able to sort of take your existing approach and tailor it to fit what they're looking for. So you are giving that good customer service, but you're still really sticking with your artistic vision for how you want your films to look overall. Um, whether you want to be having, you know, whether you want your films to be mostly outdoors or whether you want your films to be mostly indoors or a mixture of both, whether you want them to be purely documentary or lifestyle or a mix of both, like it's just really sitting down and thinking about what it is that you want and how you can bring that to life. Any thoughts you want to share with us, Kylie? I think it's probably some of the best advice that you gave me when I was first starting. Yes. Um, you know, I think, uh, I mean, when we were doing mentoring together, I think the first thing you made me do was like make four, like book four families to go and do films with so yeah. that I could experience that for myself. And it wasn't just about getting, um, you know, like practicing the actual filming or the mm-hmm. actual photographing. It was about the experience of working with families yes. in different environments to try and, you know, figure out what my style was and and how I liked to make films. And, you know, it's 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 it can be a long process. And yeah, even though I've done a lot of portfolio building, I've still been doing other work that's making me money. Um, I think as long as you kind of like a lot of people sort of balk at the idea of doing free portfolio yeah. building shoots because they think that it means that they can't be doing any paid work at mm. that same time. Mm. And there's no reason why you can't be doing both. Yeah, definitely. You know, I still, it, like I still do a few portfolio shoots because at the end of the day those actually become more like my um they're my playground and where mm-hmm. I try things out and all the rest of it. And so, but in the beginning stages, by trying to make an effort to make as many kind of portfolio shoots as you can, you do do that honing of your skill. You figure yes. out what your style is going to be. And then you get more confident to then be able to adapt. And when a client does have a specific request, you can, like Courtney said, you can bring that in right. to it. Yes. And at the same time, it just means that if you've got this body of work to show people, they 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 know what to expect and they know the kinds of films that you make and i and i know like for courtney and myself like we make sure when someone books us that you know they've they've seen a lot of our work like they know what they're getting and and they understand what it's going to look like so then there's not that when you make when they want to do something and you say well maybe that might not work let's try this they trust you yeah and they trust that you know you have their best interests in mind and that you're going to give them the best possible film and they're going to get what they want and you're also going to feel artistically fulfilled creating it for them. Mm-hmm. Mm. It makes such a big difference, mm-hmm. such a big difference to how you feel, how they feel watching it. And, you know, I, I've said this before at um, at a retreat or a workshop, I can't remember when or where it was, but I really and truly believe that people book me and I think they book Kylie because of the way that we see things. And that ultimately is sort of what your artistic vision is. It's that and and your voice. It's moms want to do this session with me. They want a film of 
them with their kids and their families because they want to see how that looks through my eyes. And, and they want, and they trust that I'm going to be able to give them, they, they don't, I'm going to be able to give them what it is that they're looking for. They're going to get that feeling that they're looking for. And they're not generally coming to me with expectations or any sort of um, specific requests anymore, or, you know, it's so much more just, I trust your vision. So whatever you think is going to work best, that's, that's what we'll do. And, um, and that's the end goal, isn't it? I mean, Mm -hmm. as artists, like that's the best, those are the best clients (laughs) Yes, (laughs) because, um, give me constraints. I don't actually want anything to do with it. Like (laughs) don't tell me what to do. I want to just go and be free to create and like, yeah, I'm lucky um, that I do get to work with so many people who um, are on the same page with me on that. But I also think then even if uh, this is something that you end up expanding on and let's say you you move from families to commercial or something like that, you need to come prepared with ideas. You need to be able to kind of come to the table and and they say, this is what we're looking for. And you need to just immediately be able to think in your head, okay, we can do this and we can do this and we can do this. And yeah, it may not all work out exactly the way that you have it in your head, but you will have had enough experience to be able to say, well, this works in this situation and this works in this situation. If we put these things together with what you're asking, then we can create something really amazing. Um, And having that confidence just is born out of the amount of work that you do up front and creating your and honing your artistic vision and, and your voice. And, and that's not something that ever ends. No, I think it's always constantly changing. I mean, you know, like we can both say, if you look at the films that we made two years ago mm. or, or in 2019 compared to like what we may be making now, yeah, there's a big difference. Yeah. And because it always grows and evolves as you as a person yes. grow and evolve as well. Yeah. But then there are still certain elements that are always kind of there. And I think one of the things that you start to, once you get past the initial stages of learning of just how to actually make films and you start to move more into like creating your putting your personal stamp on it I guess is I I find you get to a point where you no longer start to worry about what anybody else is thinking Mm -hmm. and what other people are making you stop like you know yeah. there was a time where I would sit down before I made a film and I would go and watch all of Courtney's films to like give me some ideas whereas now <laughs> I'm like the last thing I want to do is have watched <laughs> one of her films because yeah. you know in my like I've embraced how I make films now yeah. and the look that I want for the films that I make and all the rest of it and that only kind of comes with time and it yeah. is a changing process and so I think that you know when you can feel confident in that part of it, it just makes you feel so much more confident when you are then dealing with clients and you're making things for clients. And even if it's a really difficult session, and I mean, I know I walk away from most sessions thinking, oh man, you know, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. Oh, this was terrible. That was terrible. But then at the end of the day, when I sit down and I go and I look through all the footage, I can see where that practice and that honing in my vision has 
has really paid off because even though I may have felt like it wasn't great or I might have felt like there wasn't good moments or anything like that, when I mm-hmm. look back at footage, yeah, I can see that, oh, actually, yes, that is actually in there. Yeah. And it's there and I got it and I can build something out of this mm-hmm. no matter how bad I felt mm-hmm. when I first walked away from the session. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's what's so great about when you do start to really hone that vision that you have for your films, it'll just start to naturally come out Mm -hmm. without even trying. Mm -hmm. And then whatever situation you're in, you can make it work. That's right. Yes. And, and that is such a extremely important skill to have, to be able to be thrown into any kind of situation and create something out of it. Um, when you think about, you know, your artistic vision specifically, if you were to try and like put that into words for what you do, what do you think that would be? That's a really hard question. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I think about it, I think like, you know, I, I, let's we'll go to like a really generalized um, example because I think if we're talking to the person who's re- like, you're a photographer, you're diving into making videos, and you're like really dipping your toes in. You're thinking this is really cool. I like this. Um, the first thing that I think, and similar to like, I'm sure you would have asked yourself these questions as a family photographer: Do I want to work with newborns? Do I want to work with families? Do I want to work? Do I want to do weddings? Am I going to do a mixture of all the things? I'm not going to cover. I'm doing a mixture of all the things. Let's just pick one. So let's say um, you love working with newborns. Okay. So newborns um, are your thing. So then the next step is think in your mind. Like if I was to make the perfect film of a newborn session, what would that look like? Write it down, write it down like to the T very detailed. Like what would that look like exactly? Because newborns are hard and Mm. they don't do a lot. So you actually have to be a little bit more in control of that kind of situation to a certain degree depends on your style. And if you are rocking documentary newborn sessions, then you won't have a problem with this. But if you're not, and you tend to be more of a lifestyle newborn photographer or specifically a posed newborn photographer, then you're going to have to make more of an effort to change things up more often than you do with photos. So that's kind of an example, I guess, of like a starting point for beginning to think about what your artistic vision is. Now, when you're with other people in your area who are also starting, cause I'm like, this is taking off worldwide. Like yeah. people are, it's growing and you're kidding yourself. If you think you're going to be the only one making films in your area, I guarantee you within the next five to 10 years, you are going to have lots more photographers that are offering films to families. So just be really mindful of that. And I always have been, that's something that like I knew when I first started, I thought I'm going to get on this and I'm going to get really good right away because if I'm, if I know that other people, once they start doing this, they're going to love it as well. And ultimately like, that's good. The more people know about family films, the more people are going to be wanting to book a family film. So the goal for you is to figure out how you can stand out. How can you be the one who does that one particular type of film or, um, you know, your approach might be, um, 
like really nostalgic, really memory filled, really, you might use, you might decide that your films are going to include heaps of audio and maybe they're going to be really, really meaningful. And, um, like you're incorporating love letters into each one of your films. These are some of the things that I'm talking about when I talk about artistic vision. So, you know, really kind of narrowing down what you think you want your films to look like, because based on what you love making, what inspires you, what lights you up, what do you love watching? What do you love listening to? Like one of mm-hmm. my biggest things is music. And even though like I might find a song that could work for a film, if I don't enjoy listening to it, I'm not going to use it. Yeah. <laughs> like, even you though have I, to listen to it a lot. <laughs> you have to listen to it so many times. And also, you know, I, I kind of have a particular style for music, but I also don't want to box myself in too much. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, part of my thing is that each music, each song that I use is really tailored to the family. Like I won't use anything that has lyrics that don't make sense to what they're doing. Yeah. And, um, but it also sort of tends to have, like it lends itself towards this like folk sort of cinematic sort of indie, sometimes singer songwriter, um, music. And if I can, you know, I like, I love cello and I love violin. I love banjo and I love guitar. (laughs) So it's like those kinds of instruments I'm looking for. Um, and if you, if you follow my work, you know, you can see that sort of consistency throughout, but there's Mm -hmm. variation at the same time. And so, um, that's kind of where, what we're talking about when we talk about like artistic vision, so what would, I, what do you reckon? I think it also comes down to to how you approach the things that you're filming that are mm-hmm. in front of you, mm-hmm. um, and and that will often come down to you know it comes back to that like your why in a way like I think when you watch your films you you really notice um, the 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 physical connections between people the casual touches and mm-hmm. you know the um, the longer looks the the um, the children kind of just grabbing onto mum and moving around. They're, they're things that, you know, whether consciously or subconsciously are always in your film because that's what you're yes. looking for. And then say if I compared that to to something that I guess I tend to see in my film is I'm always kind of looking for um, humorous things. Yeah. Like for, I'm always looking for like a... I always love in in every film to have at least one like moment that's going to make you like laugh out loud because you know it's just like a funny interaction or something like that and because that's just the kind of person that I am and that's you know that's a big part of what my family life is with Dave and the girls is like Mm -hmm. doing stupid things and whatnot and so I subconsciously you know, look for those things and that comes out in my photos as well like yeah yeah you know a lot of my photos of people look like they're crying or laughing because they're laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just weird things. I'm always looking for quirky stuff. Yes, I can see that, yes. You know, and and that's a part of the vision as well, I think, and that's something that, you know, you do. Totally. It's maybe a bit, it can be a bit more subconscious. And so when you make like a selection of films, then you can sit down and watch them and you can ask someone else to sit and watch them and to 
give you feedback on them as well Mm -hmm. and they'll start to notice these things even if you haven't and and then you can go oh okay Mm -hmm. that's what I look for and so things like you know I love to have lots of color in my films Mm -hmm. and so if there's not naturally color in the situation I'll add it in because after a couple of years I realized that's what I wanted yes and not every house is colorful and that's fine and so how can I then inject that and so that's you know, that's a part of that artistic vision as well. It's how you, it's the things that you really notice. I always tend to notice a really quirky or funny thing that's happening. Yep. Um, and I like to add in colour and mm-hmm. that comes together to form that artistic vision. Mm-hmm. You love the beautiful, soft, tender moments between yeah. a parent and a child. Yeah. And, you know, Funny, quirky moments, soft, tender moments, they happen in both of our sessions mm-hmm. but they feature much more heavily in your films as opposed to mine yeah. and humour features much more heavily in mine as opposed to yours because yeah. that's that's part of our vision. That's and right. how we've developed it. Yes, so, yes, yeah. And then we, we draw in the people who are drawn to that in both of our films um it's a it's a definitely more of an advanced concept and it's kind of one of those things where like at the beginning when you're first starting to film you're really focused on like how to film a scene what are like the technicalities behind where should I stand what focal lengths should I use what should my settings be you know how many ways can I move around and how many different angles can I get and so then it's when you get past that and really again like when we're talking about building these portfolio films like that's generally what's going to be and mm. you're going to get moments because of course they're going to happen but it's sort of it's one of those things that like it's like when you're culling a gallery and you're choosing all the very best photos in that gallery the stronger you call it the stronger your like the more the you more call it impact it will have the more impact it's going to have the stronger your gallery is if you are someone who you know delivers like nearly all the photos that you take you'll notice the difference between if you give that or you give 20 of the very best ones the difference between the two galleries is you have so much more of an impact between the um with the gallery that is smaller because you have you're delivering the very best and you are also curating specific feelings out of that too because you're choosing moments based on what you feel the most when you look at them and it's the same thing when you are editing video and you're deciding which moments to put in the film because not all the moments fit Mm -hmm. like it's impossible for all the moments from a two to three hour session to fit in a two to three or in a three to five minute film and it sucks sometimes and it does suck sometimes sometimes there's like really good moments but if they're not the best moments, mm-hmm. then I'm like, you got to let them go. And it, that's a really hard thing to kind of yeah. get good at as well. That is, is how to let go. I, I would much rather watch a two-minute film with incredible, mo- amazing, yes. heartfelt connection and moments in it yep. than a five-minute film. Mm-hmm. with maybe five of them sprinkled out every minute. Mm-hmm. And I would rather watch a two-minute film full of all of the moments rather than a five-minute film that shows me, like, what happened and how mm-hmm. and yep. and some of the moments sprinkled in. So I think this is where you kind of – this is where a lot of growth happens. Yep. When, you're, when you're honing your artistic vision – this, there's so much growth that happens in this space. And if you are sitting there and you're thinking, like you're wondering, okay, I've made lots of films now. I've made 10 films. 
why is no one booking? Why aren't I getting more bookings? Or why, you know, how come like I'm really excited by this, but like other people aren't excited? Or if you're looking at and you're kind of comparing, you're thinking, what is it that's missing from my films versus the ones that I'm seeing other people make that impact me emotionally so strongly? Look at this specifically. Look at these kinds of things that are either in those films or not in those films. Look at your films and think to, to yourself, like, am I including lots of really great moments or is it lots of actions of things happening? Is it, am I taking my viewer through a series of steps of how this family got from A to B or am I showing them what it actually felt like to be there? Which one is it? Because the one that shows how it really felt to be in that moment with them. Those are the films that are going to sell. Those are the films that are going to get people to book you. They're the, they're the ones that people are going to share with ever, everyone else. People are going to comment on. You're going to get more engagement on. You're going to get more um, exposure on. And, and then that's where the growth starts to happen. That's where the word of mouth comes in. That's where your name begins to grow within your community. People start to realize that you're doing this you'll then start to get more inquiries and you'll still, you'll then start to secure more bookings. You really have to do more than what people could do with their iPhones. You have to go beyond showing sort of this like literal story of an A to B sort of scenario and, and dive into the meaning behind that. And when we talk about this artistic vision and honing that, these are some of the questions that you need to ask yourself. What, what matters to you? What inspires you? What lights you up? What do you, what do you want to be watching more of? What kind of people do you want to be working more with? Is it people who do funny things? Like, is it like really lighthearted families or is it families with like really deep, strong stories to tell, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause those, they're two different, very, very different clients. And I think a lot of times like, we get stuck into, okay, what does your, where does your client shop? Where, where do they live? What do they look like? All of that. And honestly, none of that shit really matters because ultimately what matters is personalities, moments, things that matter, like meaning stories, stories. I'll tell you the the best question that I ever started putting into my questionnaire and, and talking to my clients about was one of my questions is, um, Tell me about your family and, um, you know, what what struggles and things have taken place to get you where you are today. Mm-hmm. Like what things have you gone through together yeah. that have made you the family that you are today? And people are surprisingly honest. I know. Like, yes. I love it's that almost like a confessional. Yeah. Um, and people, they're like, I'm really sorry for like yeah. just blurting all this out or putting this all out on you. But I love this. And because it's not even in the the particular struggle that's happened, but it's in, it, the way that they tell me about it can yeah. give me a clue into the kind of person. So some people, you know, have had really horrific things happen mm-hmm. to their family but they still are telling you with this like really great sense of humor. And so you mm-hmm. know that, you know, like I have a very black sense of humor. Like mm-hmm. I'm the person, you know, <laughs> standing beside my mum when she's in the emergency room after a major accident making like really inappropriate jokes. <laughs> That's the kind of person that I am. Yeah. You know, and so 
that question is such a good question to kind of you start to understand how people are and then you can figure out how your approach is going to work in with the type of family that they are and the type of people that they are and Mm -hmm. you know you can understand and when you talk to them on the phone afterwards about their responses like it's really you know it gets you to the heart of the the matter but it will help you to that question and how how you see them respond and then how their response makes you feel will yeah. let you start to know like what things are important yeah. to you and and how how it's important to you. So what part of that story are you going to focus on? You mm. can focus on the way that they've used their home, their humour right. to, to get through these tough times together or you can focus on the way that they say that they do all these little small tasks for each other to really lift each other up and support each other yeah it, it gives you that insight and yeah yep helps you notice the nuances yeah of that family um because a lot of times without knowing some of that, those backstories and everybody has one then you know you're kind of it, it it is very easy to sort of just treat them like every other family that comes and does an outdoor session with you or or an at-home session with you so it really is about getting into the heart of what makes the family tick, what story is there that, um, and again, it's not about like that literal story or, or even telling the story of what was so hard or what got them to this stage in their life. That's not what, that's not what your film is necessarily going to be, but by knowing it, you can then, create a film that becomes a reflection of how far they've come and and you as a film that understands the the, i don't even know what the word is but the like the essence of what their family is about but it also helps you to see the things that you're most drawn to that's right and then distill them down into that film as well so then you're marrying what they want yes and you're marrying the things that matter the most to you and your artistic vision together yes and it all just works and it's it's a beautiful thing for the client and it's a beautiful thing for you as well but it is it is a really hard thing it's taken me years to get to a point where I feel like I'm just now starting to really yeah kind of get that and I know like I can still get much better at it Mm. but the only way to do it is to make lots and lots and lots of films like I made you know 20 films in 2019 Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and I still feel like I'm only just yeah really getting a handle on it yeah it's a long process but at the same time it's a really fun process and you get to meet people you can still make money while you do it yeah yeah well that's absolutely right and like the thing is is that um I really hope that this podcast episode comes across as encouraging. Um, <laughs> that's the goal here. But the reason why this matters so much to me is that I truly believe that. Well, so I've been in I've been in business for over ten years now, and I really, really believe that in order to avoid burnout, which is look. I've been through it. I've felt it. There are definitely times. And if you listen to our last podcast episode on being in, in a creative rut like mm-hmm. that, you know, we we did talk and we touched on what that feels like. That's always going to come. But I have to be really careful with myself for um, and, and I have to really set boundaries around what I do 
because I know how easy it is to get burnt out. And I've seen lots of people pick up filming and just give it up after a year or two because it's a lot of hard work. And look, you don't want to put this much work into it if it's not fulfilling you. And the quickest way to it not being fulfilling is just doing things that other people want you to do for them mm-hmm. and not really having a very clear direction or, you know, a, a clear vision for what it is that you want to create. So I just really encourage you to think on this and to go away and think about how you can, if you don't already have a, a bit of a vision in place for the kinds of films that you want to be making take some time and write down some thoughts, write down some, do some journaling, think about what you want your art to look like and do this regularly. Like check back in with yourself every quarter, every few months, every year, check back in with yourself, see what you wrote down last time. Cause I'm sure that it'll shift and change, but it is worthwhile putting in the work to find clients and create films with the stories that are inside you that you can pull from within them that are meaningful, that matter, that inspire you and that make you want to keep going because it's important work. What we do, it's so important Mm -hmm. and families need to have it and we all need to show up for them and we need to be our best selves. And this is one of the ways that we can do that. So thanks for listening. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.